following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. I'm Coach Larry. Matt could not be with us today, but no worries. You don't have to hear a silent episode from me because we've got a special guest, Mr. Frank Strangio. Frank, how are we doing? I'm good, Coach Larry. Thank you so much. I'm honored that you asked me to be on with you today. No problem. Uh, Frank, you're uh Fellow class, uh, your class of 90, 91. 91. 91 from Niagara Falls High School. I was a little later, class of 98, although uh, you would have went to school with my cousin Frank. Right. Uh, I actually graduated from Niagara Catholic High School. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> class okay. of 91, but. Don't worry, Catholic. we won't hold it against you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate no, that. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, in fact, that was one of the first things when. Um, uh, mid-July when I accepted the job from Wheatfield and took over, um, that was the one thing that, uh, you know, Frank Strangio is going to reach out to you. Frank Strangio is going to reach out to you. Um, and it's been, can I tell you, and this is my part of my coming in hot segment, can I tell you, I could not have asked for such a better, warmer reception from from the players, from the the parents, from the community. It has been across the board um, I was telling my wife the other day, it's almost rejuvenated me as a coach. Awesome. I mean, it is, it has been truly, it has been amazing. Yeah. I was expecting, and I think, and, and you coach soccer yourself. I think every time you kind of take over a team or come, come new to a team, you expect a little blowback. You sure. expect, especially, um, with some of the veteran players, you know, you might expect, well, this isn't how coach did it. This right. isn't how coach did it. Right. It. I got none of that. I mean, right. the girls have been tremendous uh, to work with. If there is any blowback, they're hiding it very well because they uh, they're showing no uh, no dissent. But it has been it's been tremendous, and I want to thank you. You know, uh, just being a parent and being part of the boosters program, just yep. for for making it so easy for me to come on in. Wheatfield is a special place. There's. Um... You know, I grew up in Niagara Falls. I went to Niagara Catholic, parochial schools, you know, St. Joe's and, and Niagara Catholic Catholic schools. Then I went to University of Buffalo. But, you know, I, I had that close-knit environment. So now we moved into Wheatfield, and our kids went to public schools, which is different than my wife and I. So you don't know what to expect, but I found the same. There's such great families and just great people, and the administration is great. So that you have that warm uh, atmosphere and caring and loving and they and everybody thinks about each other and it, it's great and what I'm I'm glad to hear is that everybody went into it with an open mind and I think that's how you should approach every situation oh, with an absolutely. open mind and give somebody a chance and they gave you a chance and you're doing a great job and we're really happy to have you here with us in in Wheatfield. Well, thank you. Like I said, um, and the season couldn't have gone off to yeah. a better start. <laughs> I mean, five and zero. Oh, 
Uh, just came off of big, uh, big win against Kenmore East. Um, <laughs> that one, I, I, I told the girls going into it, um, that one was special. They, they that wanted, one, they wanted to win that one for you, Coach. <laughs> that, that one was special, and I made no bones about it. You know, I, I told the girls leading up to the game that uh, this one, this one meant a lot. Um, for me, it was weird because it was the first time. I mean, I've coached. Um, I've coached through Kenmore East. Before that, I coached a couple of years at the Park School during their varsity for about five years, uh, took over their girls' varsity program. But those two schools never crossed paths. Right. Um, different, different divisions. It's more of like a private school as opposed to the public school. This was the first time, even that I can remember as a player, like playing or coaching against a former team. And uh, I got to say, it was it was, it was was different yeah. it was different so, uh, have you ever had that as a, well, as a player as a coach I, I, well i mean as a coach uh, especially i grew up playing niagara pioneer soccer i'm a niagara falls kid there was no niagara falls soccer program so the next closest thing was niagara pioneer so we went to youngstown a couple of us from the falls my buddy and i john sapletti and we played and we grew up playing with all the Luport kids right so now i regularly coach against some of my teammates Oh, okay. And especially my the old program. I'm a Niagara Pioneer guy. We play in the Niagara Pioneer tournament. We play against that team. We played against Coach Rick Sweeney and Chris Liardini. Oh, all who, them. Who I grew up playing with, and it's fun, right? There's the rivalry. We both want to win, but we're still hugging each other on the sidelines as well, you know? But they want to win just as much as I do, but we have fun with it. And, you know, competition is funny it brings out the best in people and the worst in people right for I, sure i try to 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 go to the best side right you herm edward says you play to win the game right that's why you're out there oh for sure but but uh everything just like life is you you try your best you win you win with class you lose with grace and you shake hands either way, you give a big hug, and then the competition is over. So I think, yeah, it's special. It, it, it means a little more when you can win those games. You know, you have it over your old buddies. But when you lose it, you're happy that they won too, you know, so in a, in a way. So it's a little bit of that. So I get it. It's you, know, you get that rivalry, but it is a little special, especially your situation. And I'm happy the girls, Alyssa, would come home and tell me a lot about, we got to win this one for Coach Larry. <laughs> <laughs> so it meant a lot to the girls too and it's speaking of the girls it's been so great i've never coached a more polite group of girls children just in general i mean after every game or before every practice before morning coach morning coach hi coach morning coach even after bye coach have a good day coach i mean it's just it's like i said i it's funny because I i was telling my wife um Unfortunately, with my with my work schedule, I coach uh, or I teach summer school. I wasn't able to do any of the captain's practices this year. Yeah. Um, which, re- but coming into it, that first that first practice, I t- I couldn't sleep that night. Yeah, like I, I just, yeah. I mean, I had talked, I had spoken to you over the phone. Our conversation went well. I had spoken to uh, uh, Mike Parker, uh, Caitlin's dad. Awesome. Again, yeah. great conversation. In fact, I think it was a week before uh, I met with some of the parents at the boosters meeting. Okay. Um, great, but still just that, that unease. You don't know what to expect. (laughs) And it was, it was so like afterwards, like my wife was like, how'd it go? How'd it go? I'm like, I, I, it went great, but I'm almost 
scared yeah. because is it too good to be true? Exactly. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm like, there's got to be some kind of drama. There's yeah. got to be, but it it hasn't. It's oh. been such a a seamless transition. And I think it really, I mean, especially in high school sports, it really goes down to the parents. Yeah. Um, you get sometimes you get those parents that take high school sports a little too seriously. And I get it. You want your kid, your son or daughter to do well. Right. You want, but. I it's mean, kids playing sports. Yes. At the end of the day, it's kids playing sports. So we have to remember that, right? Yes. Like I said, any competition, you play to win, and you try, you try to excel and do your best, right? That's what I think is the most important thing. But at the end of the day, this whole thing is kids playing sports. I think I, I can say that coming into you – know, I've lived in Wheatfield for 15-plus years now, 16 or 17 years, and it's, you know, I've been blessed – with the kids that I've coached to have families that are just amazing and supportive and get it, just get it. We're all here for the kids at the end of the day. We're not here to live vicariously through them. Exactly. We, we had our time. We, we had our time. <laughs> it's their time now. We want to make them um, strive for greatness and excel, but again, at the same time, not to put too much pressure on it you know how many we want them all to want to be on the u.s women's national team or u.s men's national we want them to want that but in reality it's not going to happen right so be great have fun relax not every call is the end of the world not every decision by a coach or a player is the end of the world let them have fun first and they will excel that's what i believe um, and I think it's the attitude of a lot of the parents and, uh, and, you know, we're fortunate to have that at me as a coach in the club side of it and you on the high school side. Oh, absolutely. It's been phenomenal. And before we get into your, uh, your coaching, especially, I want to talk with, uh, you know, coaching and, and both your kids, uh, Anthony and Alyssa, yeah. um, playing soccer, uh, at the high school level. Um, you were quite a player Back in your day, uh, talk a little bit. Let's let's first talk about what got you into soccer. Like, how do you remember? Like, your one of your first, um, absolutely first soccer seasons, first soccer games. Yeah. So, um, I am the child of Italian immigrants, <laughs> so it's almost like a birthright mm-hmm. that soccer is in our blood. And I have had and have a lot of family back in Italy that you know, would send me uh, things through my parents or over the mail. I'd get soccer magazines, right? So as a kid, I always kind of was into it. And then uh, my I remember I was seven or eight years old, and my mom entered me into the YMCA, uh, learned to play soccer uh, downtown Niagara Falls. And that was the first okay. experience I had with soccer, Coach Bernadoni, and he taught me the basics of soccer. And then we did Whirlpool Soccer in uh, in DeVoe in Niagara Falls. We would do that in the in the fall. And I played for the Tornadoes with... Uh, <laughs> I was the Adam myself. Uh, the, on the Adams. <laughs> so I'm I trying to remember who was on the Adams. I think that was like Dougie Meradian and all those guys. But we, I played with Gary Hall, and it was Mr. Hall, and Demetrius Domdalos was my coach. So he was my first real kind of coach, and he was Greek, and he knew how to play the game the right way. And I just remember um, learning the lessons of playing the game the right way. 
You know, you see everybody comes up with just kick and run and trying to go long ball all the time, and he would teach us that I don't want the pass to go from the defender to the forward. I want to go through the midfield first. And this is as as a 10-year-old, so you're starting to learn that. And then I had some fantastic coaches at uh, Niagara Pioneer. We played house league. And uh, then I, you know, they see you in the house league and they ask you to play travel. And I had the, I was fortunate to play with some great coaches there from starting with Mr. Cardamone and with all my buddies, like I said, Ricky Sweeney and John Cipolletti and Chris Liardini and all these guys that went on to have pretty good careers themselves. And I I remember just playing and I, I I was approached by um, uh, one of the coaches uh, from NT, uh, NT Indoor. He saw me in an outdoor game and he said, hey, would you like to play with us? And he encouraged me to try out for uh, the Olympic Development Program, New York State West. Okay. And uh, I went out for the Buffalo team. I made the Buffalo team. And you ODP, you play um, a tournament where you play against Syracuse, Rochester, and Binghamton. That's how it used to be. And then they pick uh, essentially a team from those four teams and you represent New York State West. So I had the, the pleasure of playing on that team for three years, three or four years. I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> and how, how old would you have been around that time? Uh, like starting 13, 14, 15, 16, that okay. range there. So I started and I, I made the team as, you know, somebody that nobody knew. I wasn't on anybody's radar. And uh, I remember the coach saying, you know, it was your work ethic and the way you just went and, and worked really hard and showed your skill and gave it your all that really made you make the team. And then that's, you know, it's a good lesson for kids that, you know, if it doesn't matter who you are, if you have a little bit of talent, but if you work really hard, you'll you'll make the coach notice. Uh, I I tell the kids all the time in drills, as we're working in practice, and you see some of the kids kind of walking through and going through the motions, and I'll I'll stop it, and I'll run the drill myself, and I'll say, guys, look, you're going to get out of this drill and this practice, whatever you put into whenever you want. And at the end of the day, it's not for me to force you to do anything. If you want to get better, you're going to do it. But I will tell you this, as a coach, especially that doesn't know you, watches you walk through these drills yep. it's going to tell a lot about who you are as a person and as a player so all the time you don't know who's watching you and you want to get better all the time give it your all all the time run to the next station be on your toes do the soccer bounce act like you really care and um so it's those things so i was fortunate to to play at some high levels and have a lot of fun playing the game and i just but going back to what made me the light bulb turn off was it turn on the 1982 world cup i was nine years old and i was into soccer but you know not an obsession right yeah and i started watching that and italy was really good so going back to the italian immigrant thing you know we were watching and you take such great pride back then the u.s national team was never anywhere around no so so the the one that was on the and the stage was italy and now i'm an italian kid from an italian family and i'm watching and italy's good and they keep winning and they winning and then the the final against west germany marco tardelli paolo rossi bruno conti i was hooked at that point i was soccer was everything to me i never walked around the house without a ball on my foot dribbling it uh, you know, uh, juggling in the backyard against the wall an hour or two at a time, just kicking the ball against the wall because I just loved it that much. And I just wanted to play and, and, and enjoy the game. 
So. And it's funny because I, I similar thing um, playing or watching the World Cup. It was I don't want to say it was what got me into soccer, but it's definitely what kept me like wanting to go on to the next level. It's such a great tournament. And I was going to talk about this a little later, but. What, what What's going on oh. with the Italian team? You know, the what? last two like. The last, I, okay, I can give them one, but the last two World Cups, what's, it's, what's uh, going on? It's it's almost depressing. It is. It's hard to watch the World Cup without them. I'm so happy for the U.S. national team, and I'll, I'm obviously going to root for them, and I think we have a great team, and, and we have a good young team. Yes, the future sure. is bright. I'm so excited for the next World Cup. But for me, growing up, watching Italy and rooting for Italy in the World Cup to not see them there, and then especially after they win the Euro Cup. They, That's they, what I thought. I was like, there's there's no way how can they miss and they and then even when they blew it in qualifying but they still had the playing game and you got north mass northern macedonia my, my my son mentions that name all the time whenever there's an upset he always talks about northern macedonia and it's just it's really unbelievable it goes to show that any team can win in oh, any day for sure but you know you I don't I don't I just don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the tactics, it's the coaching, it's the heart cuz sometimes it's, you know, but they did win the Euro Cup. And, so. <laughs> and not only did they do the the final they played was fantastic. Um, unbelievable. I mean, they played they played from start to finish a great Euro. Yes. And I'm I'm looking and I remember myself and a, a buddy of mine, Mark Santangelo watching the game and afterwards we're just like all right this this team's we're ready. okay we're good the, we're going to be back you know the world cup previous was a fluke it whatever stuff happens i it was and i'm i'm the same way as you i'm an italian fan first i'm the italian national fan first and then i'm a us fan you're right um again my mother was the first of our family uh born into this country awesome. um it's funny when everybody asks you know what are you what are you? and i've got Monahan is the last name, so they they hear it. And in fact, a couple uh, I forgot which one of the girls um, when they heard it was Coach Monahan, they came in and they're like, "Not the person I thought. <laughs> Not the person." And a lot of people when they first they're like, "Aren't you like some big Irish guy, or aren't you like?" And it no, my uh, my father is Irish, but um, mom's one hundred percent Italian, and I just I take after the Italian side mm-hmm. totally. Um, especially big Italian family. I mean, you know, I do. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, I, I was just, I was shocked. Yeah. And it, it, like you said, it was the last two world cups. I mean, they're always fun to watch. Yeah. Even if it's not Italy or us, you're still watching the games. You still love seeing that high level, um, international soccer, but it just, it's, it, it took a little bit out of it. One hundred percent. It was disappointing, and uh, you get you get excited to root for that team. It, it like you said, I've been doing it since I was nine years old, and it's in your blood. And um, I'm the same. You know, again, I'll always root for the U.S., but it's Italy first. That's the it, that's, that's what I grew up. That's how it's got to be. It's like uh, you know being. Uh, being a Yankees fan, and then all of a sudden, there maybe there's a Buffalo team. You know, that's yeah. now, right? Oh, well, you know, but I've always been a Yankees fan. You know, I can't just get, let that go away. So it's it's a similar thing. So, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was disappointing, and I'm hopeful that they could turn it around, right the ship, and find the right players because there's so much talent in Italy, obviously. I think they need the right manager to put them in the right position to oh, win and sure. have them have the right mindset. But, um, you know, it's always – 
it always seems to me when they have a strong central midfielder, you know, like an Andrea Pirlo, then, and then they always have, Italy's always had the Paolo Rossi, the goal scorer, yep. right? So they have that, and then Italy is known for defense when they have, um, you know, the, the, the rock in the back. The last World Cup that they won, Cannavaro back there was unbeatable. Yeah. And, uh, and when you have that, then that's that's all the keys. So, uh, and Gigi Buffon and that, they've got to find the right goalie. I, I think the goalie now is pretty good, though. But, yeah, anyway, I think they'll be back. They they have it in their blood. They'll do it. They just have to – I almost think, like, it's like a, a choking mentality. Like, oh, no. Yeah. Now they think they're holding the stick too tight. <laughs> oh, for sure. And like I said, I thought that was the first World Cup uh, eight years ago that they, that they missed. Um, but this past one, I – Again, with the Euro, I thought, all right, they got it off their back. They're good. Right, they know right. how to win now. They know how to – and it and – it It's disappointing. Didn't, very disappointing. But, um, no, it just uh, – it, it's funny because I'm pro-Italy. I love Italy, love Italy. So many great players, Pirlo, Baggio. I mean, it, the list could go on and on. But for me as a player or as a, as a fan, even as a player, my favorite was always Pele. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, it just, yeah. for me, I remember, in fact, this, in fact, this might have been something that solidified it for me. Um, I, I was probably six, seven, six, seven, eight, somewhere around that age. And uh, as a little stocking stuffer for Christmas, my mom got me, uh, it was like one of those flip books. And it was all of, like, it was Pele's, like, highlights. Like, you would see him do a flip into the bicycle kick cool. and this. The one page would be a flip book. The other, you know, you could read stories about him. And as a young kid, I mean, just really kind of getting into soccer. I, I was very much like you. I did uh, Fort Niagara, uh, Niagara Pioneer for uh, most of it. Then I ended up switching to Niagara Pale. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was just getting started around that age. It was just so cool. Yeah. Like, I think for me, just seeing it. Seeing the bicycle kick done, I was like, holy, like, you can score like that? But then he came and played in America, yes. right, for the Cosmos, and then he was in movies, mm-hmm. right? So he was everywhere, oh, so, and he was uh, he was maybe the best, you know, you, you have those arguments. For me growing up, because uh, it was just at that time, was Diego Maradona from Argentina. So he was, to me, like, I had a shirt. Like, that was yeah. blasphemy almost, but I, I was like, I like that. I know he's from Argentina. <laughs> But he was that good, and he played in Italy too. But, but he was just—he was amazing. And then even uh, so, non-Italian pay- players, Michel Platini, he was another guy that just controlled everything. But oh, he also for played sure. for Juventus, who I got brainwashed into <laughs> being a fan of. My Italian cousin would always send me oh, the, okay. the, <laughs> the stuff. So anyway, my cousin Ross—he's the barber. Oh, I he, know Ross very well. He's—he uh, is. Um, He's a big Juve guy, and uh, he he groomed me. <laughs> um, and it's funny you met uh, you mentioned Ross because I don't know if you actually we, we talked about this a little bit the yeah. the Saturday Sunday games that we would play at Reservoir Reservoir Park. Park. <laughs> um, those were phenomenal. I know yeah. Frankie played a few times. Yeah. Uh, I know a buddy uh, guys that I went to high school, Rob Udy, Mark Santangelo. Yeah. We would go and play. I think I told you this last time. Um, I think it was your uncle Mike who would play with a cigarette. <laughs> and in fact, the more I was thinking of it, the one time I was, I was marking him during one of the games and it's just, he's running <laughs> up and down the field with a cigarette in his mouth. It's too much. And at one point I just kind of look at him. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> and he, I'll never forget this. He just kind of looks at me and he's like, he shuts his shoulders. He's like, 
experience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I think I was like uh, was like a 18, 19 year old kid. Yeah. I just That's I just funny. fell over laughing. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. You know, it's pickup soccer, but um, it was competitive, but it was also very fun because you had the old guys and then some of the young guys that took yep. it a little more seriously, and it was it was just fun. But it was just fun to knock it around, and that's how you get better. Just playing, oh, for touching sure. the ball, and seeing different experiences, and watching different players, and again, just touching the ball. That, that you know, I tell these kids all the time. You know, we have an hour, an hour and a half here to practice, whether it's one, two times a week, and I'll see you at games. But if you really want to take it to the next level, you got to have the passion for it to just go out and find whatever. Go to the park. On your own, with a friend, and just touch the ball. Like you said, even when you were a kid, you know, take 20, 30 minutes a day, hit it against the garage, or hit it against the side of the house, or hit it, just do your traps, do your touches, do your foundation drills. I mean, it's it's uh, really the only thing that's going to get you better. It seems like such a simple thing to do, but again, if like you said, if you don't have the passion to do it, you're not. You're not going to push yourself to do it. It's what takes you to the next level. Everybody can get good at these practices, and and but uh, to take it to the next level, you, the ball has to be like a, an extension of your body. You have to know how it behaves whenever that comes at you, right? If it's coming from this angle, I know. And then once you do it 10,000 times, when it happens in the game, there's no thought process. No. It's reaction, it's touch, and it's and it just happens. So that that's that's important. I tell you know, I did I uh, a couple of years ago. I got my U.S. Soccer D license. Okay, and that U.S. Soccer's philosophy now is play, practice, play, and and the philosophy is you learn by playing the game. So they're kind of moving away from the drills. Now, I have a little bit of a different opinion on that because as kids are growing up, unless you really know how to do the basics, I think that I get it learning to the game, but these kids are so busy right now, they can't just go play for six hours like they do in Brazil in the yard. So I think that those fundamentals need to be taught. So I I like a hybrid approach. But when we work on simple passing drills or simple trapping drills or turning drills, and I say, guys, I know this seems monotonous and it seems dumb, but if you do this over and over and over and your touch is perfect and your turn is perfect, when you're in the game, it's just going to happen. The ball's going to get distributed to you. You're going to do a nice uh, uh, open up and turn, and you're going to pass right away to somebody else, and that pass is going to be crisp and right onto somebody's feet. But if you don't have that skill, then the pass is going to be a little bit off, and you're going to put your teammate in danger, and then it's a 50-50 ball instead of right to their feet, or you're going to touch yourself into danger instead of out of danger. So those things are... And then, so now you're working in practice, and then you see it in practice. Now you go home and hit the ball against the wall, and when you touch it, you touch yourself into open space and out of danger. And you do that over and over and over, and those things take you to the next level. Yeah, because like you said, the more you can do without thinking about it, you can think about other things. And I, and one thing that I harp on my players is I don't want you to figure out what you're going to do when you get the ball. So I like, want you to know what you're going to do before you get the ball. All right, if if Frank passes me the ball, I'm sending it up to Tony, or I'm sending, I've got Mark out wide, or I beat one defender and I'm going to shot. I'm thinking of all those things before you even pass me the ball. Or I might even think be that before you get the ball, hey, if Mark gets it up to Tony, 
I'm going to be an option for him and he's going to get it over to me. If I don't think of all those things, when I get the ball, like you said, it's too late. Too late. I might have a defender on me. I might have two defenders on me. Or I'm looking up. Next thing you know, I, I don't know what to do. And I fumble and I lose the ball. So that's I, – I like to preach no be two steps ahead. It's chess. Be, it, it's got to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that in soccer – I think sometimes soccer gets the, oh, it's such a boring game. All they're doing is they're passing it for, oh, look, he passed it back to him. Oh, look, he passed it to the side. Oh, look, he passed it back again. That's what makes it beautiful. That it's, <laughs> it's a chess game. That's right. It's beautiful. It's just, it's almost like one big dance. And it's almost sometimes you get like, can you outlast your opponent? Can you be more patient than your opponent? Can you force them, force that defender even just a foot wide so that that opens up a lane that you can send a nice little it's it's such a beautiful game and i don't think people realize yeah, that but that's the problem they don't they don't see that right and so i'll unpack some of the stuff cuz you made some great amazing points that's exactly right that's how you have to see the game right uh number 1 scanning right if you watch messi play just watch him He's oh not really running around me, no. but his head is on a swivel constantly. He's always looking at the field, so he's scanning the whole field. Huge. So now he knows the next three passes he's going to make, but especially the next one or the next movement. Space. Soccer is all about space and movement. When you release the ball, you should not stand still. You should be looking for the next spot you should be in to make a make a, an option for your uh, teammate or to defend in case you lose the ball. But you should be always moving into space, moving and thinking about the next decision. Um, as you said, you got to think two and three steps ahead. Um, we you see it in high school all the time. Everybody wants to go forward as fast as possible. But all you're doing is helping the defenders there if you do that. Oh, for if sure. you keep possession, knock the ball around a little bit in, in, in your own end, instead of giving the ball up, kick and run, uh, I always get angry with boot the ball. They just boot the ball. Pass the ball because what you're going to do inevitably is move the defenders. And when you move the defenders, then you create space behind. And all too often, the forwards... I watched it in the boys' game the other day, and it was some of my players, and I preached to them all the time, you know, depending on what you're playing. If you're playing the 4-3-3, some of the, 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 especially the wingers, the outside forwards should check back to the ball to relieve some of the pressures from the nine up up top. And they were kind of sitting and waiting. And I think it was hot and they were a little bit tired, but what happened is it's a disconnect to the midfield. So now you're not connected and we're trying to go over the top and you got four defenders playing against three of us. So you're not giving them that option. Checking back, even if you don't receive the ball, pulls a defender away. Now it opens up for another player. Oh, for sure. And that's my big thing. And um, I think we talked about it in our, our, when we first talked over the phone, just about different formations. I think it's so important for high school kids to learn how to play in different formations. Sure. Like us, we tried and I, my, I, I like running a three, five, two, right. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, proponent of controlling that midfield. I know a lot of people don't like it. I think that's where games are won and lost. Sure. We tried it. The first couple of scrimmages in practice, um, the girls were upfront and honest with me and said, you know, it's good, but don't like it. All right. Which is fine. Um, 
as much as I like to coach it and as much as I was telling them, you know, it was no, you know, wingers got to drop back or midfielders got to drop back a little bit. They become the extra defensive line. I got a lot of blowback from my defense coach. It's too hard for us in the back. Right. I love coaching it, but if my team isn't ready to run it, I'm not going to shove it down their throat. We ended up, we went to a four four two. Um, they liked it. They picked it up pretty quickly, but they still preferred the four four three. Yeah. Or sorry, four three four, three three. Um, which again, I didn't mind it. But if you've noticed in in the games that we played, we ran. We started with the four three three against Sacred Heart. Zero zero at halftime. Wasn't we weren't getting the attack that we needed up top, and we were giving up a little bit on the back end. The girls made that switch to a four four two. It worked beautifully. Right. We ended up scoring six in the second half. Um, same thing with Niagara Falls. Marona mia. That game. <laughs> yeah, but you but, know what? I that game. You know, sometimes it just it it just it's 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 like you know it's like anything else. The ball just doesn't go in the net sometimes, you know, and 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 the ball bounces funny sometimes. So I, you, you were the dominant team that game, so I wasn't really worried about it. And I, I said it on the sideline. Everybody looked like I was crazy. It was two two at half. I said the final's going to be eight to two, and everybody's like, "Are you watching the same game?" I go, "Trust me, I can see how the game is going. I see the flow. You just got to break out. Once we get that first goal in the second half, it's going to come." And then with seven, they made me liars. But, I was going to say we almost got you. You there. almost got there, and they and they were close. And then everybody's like, oh, "I guess she knew." Look, but that was another thing. We started at the four three three. Yeah, there. I think it was a combination of their offsides trap, which give them credit. They they ran pretty good. Yeah, they also had referees. Mm, I don't want to go down yeah, that right. path, but. Um, with the three up top, we and a small field, we were getting right. caught a little bit. That's so we it. dropped into the four four two. We kept Sid and Marissa outside, slid Casey into the middle with Caitlin. Smart. And those two were able to control though that game where they were able to get the distributions up top that right. we needed. And a little conversation with a couple of the forwards to make sure that they were staying on the backside. That's it. And it opened up. Yeah. So a couple of things. First the sign of a good coach is to adjust, not to just say this is my way or the highway and that's it. You, you, you're, you're better off when you have a system. Great, but sometimes the players don't fit the system, so you work your system to fit your players, For and sure. that's the sign of a good coach. And that's when I knew you really knew what you were doing because you saw it and you adjusted, and that's important, right? So uh, that was great, and you you play to your player strengths. That's what you have now. Next year, you may have a team that that's more comfortable in the three five two or the four, the uh, four four two, right? But the other thing is, you have to be malleable. You have to be fluid because you don't know how the other team's going to play you. Four three three may work against X, but against Y, yeah, they're absolutely. they're 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 going to shut you down. So you have to look in the game and say, okay, this is how they're playing chess again. Let's move it. These that team was they they said we don't have the talent they do. We're going to trap them. We're going to do the offside trap, and we're going to keep doing it. So how do you beat the trap? you got to check back, have the midfielders dribble through them. If they're checking to you, dribble by them. You mm-hmm. do that two or three times. Next thing you know, they're going to start backing off. Absolutely. Right? So, And that's exactly what's happened. Casey came back, dropped back, and now she can distribute. Caitlin's an awesome player, too. She, oh, my God. You, you, you have so much talent on this team. We could talk for days about all of the talent that you do. But they're also great kids, and I love that they will work with you and stay. 
and make that adjustment because at the end of the day, it's a team game. Right? Oh, absolutely. It's a team game. So. And, and can I tell you, again, I'm going to brag a little bit. We're ranked fourth now in uh, large schools, Western New York. Awesome. And out of the top, out of the top 20 in uh, statistics and points, they count uh, goals for two points, assists for one. I've got uh, right now Sydney and Marissa are tied for number one with 30 points. Yep. Uh, Casey, I believe, is in the seventh or eighth range with uh, – sorry, uh, not Casey, Caitlin. Caitlin. Caitlin is in seventh or eighth, and Casey is in uh, 17th with points. I mean, n- no other team has four players in the top 20 in points. Well, it shows the balance, right? Absolutely. You have balance because all four of them can score at any time. Mm-hmm. Now, Caitlin's more of a distributor. You can see that. I think your whole midfield is that way. And then, but those three up top, all of them could put the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, Sydney's a, an amazing, talented goal scorer. Marissa's an all around player. And Casey is talented, but and unselfish. She yes. is unselfish. She will, she'll forego the shot to pass it in front so they can have an easy goal. I've seen it. And uh, there's been a, there was one time in particular um, in an early game, uh, was it Sacred Heart? I, I think it might have been Sacred Heart. Where I kind of yelled, like, Case, that's great for a pass, <laughs> but you've got five yards of open space in front of you, and you're in the 18. Yeah. Rip it, child. Rip <laughs> right? it. Because she's got an amazing shot, oh, too. Oh, for sure. I get on my daughter sometimes because she's a pass-first player, which I love. Absolutely. I and I was the, the same ball. way. Yeah. Distribute the ball. Look for your teammates. But every once in a while, if you got to look at it. you got to look at take, take it. Take it. Take, take a shot. It. Yeah. So. Um, now, what did you play? I was more, I played center mid. Um, I would go outside if needed and play the right side, but I was more the center mid. I was the one getting the ball up top. I was the one distributing. But my my strength, too, was um, I was a distributor, but I would also be the first midfielder back. Yeah. I would I would get that defensive stop. I would get that, uh, I would be um, just almost like a defensive center mid at times, but I would be allowed to go up and make that attack. Nice. Um, what did you play? And like, what what style? Uh, what style would you say that you were? I'm an offensive player. I okay. like. I love to score goals. So when I played for New York State West, I was always a striker, always up top, everywhere. We had some talented. Um, we had some very talented midfielders as well. For my club team, mostly just because that's the way it worked out. I played center mid, but I was always the offensive center mid. Um, but. My passion is always scoring goals, but I like to distribute as well. I, I, I always got a lot of assists too. So I played mostly center mid or I played up top as the nine. I played the striker. And then once in a while I'd play the wings too. I had a lot of speed back then so I could get it up. My I preferred uh, uh, formation is four four two. I love as a striker to have the freedom to to, you know, when you're at the four three three, everybody kind of just goes in their lanes, and there's no switching up. If you have two forwards that can really communicate and connect and cross, you can really cross up the defenders, and you have a lot more space to move. So you can be a right winger, you can be a left winger, you can go right down the the, the center. And then as center mid, I always wanted to be the the offensive center mid to distribute the ball to ten. I always wanted to play the ten mm-hmm. and and pass or take it yourself and shoot. So that was my style. I was never 1-4-D, but I'll play anywhere. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like I like the offense, you know, and um, I think my kids, especially the boys, like my style of attack. I'm, I'm huge on my outside backs going forward and joining the rush. And uh, we have one kid, Mike Rambali, he's a, he's a 
superstar on the on the team but we're most successful he had a great run in state cup this year and it's mostly because he was one of the ones that joined the rush and really helped forward we have some we had some great teams out that's a great story if we get to it this team was cinderella over the summer we 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 made it to the final four of state cup it was it was pretty awesome oh that's with a a club team and that's one thing too that i tell you and and i'm sure you've noticed uh emma hurley does a great job and she she even came um, she was one, I guess, last year or the last couple of years. She was a forward, um, made the switch back to defense. Yeah, and she's been fluent. Like she's been, she's been a solid player back there. But she still has that forward. Uh. She still wants to go up and make that run. Which with those four defenders back there, I'm good with because yeah. I've got two solid center midfield or sorry center defenders with Ava and Leah, right. who they know if Emma's going to make her run, one's going to slide out, one's going to play that that cover um cam meisner also does a fantastic job in sliding they my entire back line just does a fantastic job of sliding over and in fact uh ava duvall wants to wants to kind of play goalie a little bit yeah and and she's she's an athlete she does great goal yeah (laughs) but even today i kind of was like you know I, i could put you in net but I'm not going to, and it's your fault because you're too damn good <laughs> at good. defense. Yeah, and her, and, and it's not even that, but her and Leah just work yeah. so well. Leah's smooth. Yeah. Leah's so smooth and smart and calm, and that's what you need in a center back. Emma, so Emma plays on our club team. Oh, okay. Emma is our striker. And yeah. she scores a lot of goals for us. So when we heard about that switch, I'm like, I don't know. how Because I've tried Emma at midfield, and she always finds her way forward, yes. right? Which is okay. You know, great. She's an attacking player. She's just, she, it's a rare ability for kids to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. Not too many kids can do that. Absolutely. You know, you find teams that are really good, but they don't have any finishers. And Emma is a finisher. But. What Emma is, you can't teach heart. And Emma has it in spades, in gallons. And she'll, she'll just give you everything she mm-hmm. has on every play. And she's very offensive. And when you can have an outside back that can beat the first person yes. with a move because she has that offensive skill and then carry the ball forward instead of trying to kick it over the top and now you beat one or two players, now you have an advantage. And you're attacking with numbers. Yes. When you have that, that's a special thing. So what she has to think of, one of my favorite players of all time is Paolo Maldini. And that's who I showed. He was an outside back, obviously, for Italy. And he he scored some of the most goals as a defenseman for Milan and for Italy. And some of the most beautiful goals because he pushes forward. But it adds to the attack. So having a dangerous player like Emma who's willing, who's a, a, a dogged defender, she might be a too aggressive sometimes, yeah. but, but to go forward and press the attack and help the offense is, is going to be a, a weapon that you have all year. It's, it's pretty awesome to see. Oh, it's fantastic. And, and we had a good conversation. Um, she came up to me, I think, before, right before the Sacred Heart game, and she expressed her concern. You know, she was a little coach. I've never really played defense. I've played up top. I've attacked. I've done this. I'm a striker. I I just explained to her what I want to see. Like, let's just see it from the Sacred Heart game. It's a it's a it's a game, but it's a non league game. It's an opening game. Sure. Let's 
see. And by the end of the game, um, you know, right before she's like, coach, remember, I'm not a defender. I remember at the end of the game, I'm like, listen, Emma, I know you told me you're not a defender, but I'm, you know, I'm calling bull on that because you played, she's a soccer player. You, you played great. She's a soccer player. Did she get caught up a few times? And had she gotten caught up a few times? Yeah. Yeah. But that's to be expected. Exactly. And that's you know to what? Be expected. That's for the midfielders to recognize and then yes. drop back and help a little bit too. And the other thing is you talked about earlier, you have three superstars up top playing forward, it's hard to, it's crack, tough to that crack that line. lineup. You want to be on the field, play where you can play. And, uh, man, I think she's taken to it really oh, well. She's, yeah, she's and absolutely. She's, I think she's having fun with it, and she's in doing fa- great. In fact, I think I think right now, in fact, Emma, if you're listening, don't get, don't no, you're not switching. <laughs> but I think if I gave her the option to go up top or to stay at defense, I think she's taken it so well where she would stay at defense. Right. She's Especially been, on this team. It makes absolutely. sense, right? Because you have – the horses up top to do it, and then she can join the rush. She's going to end up scoring some goals from that position. Oh, for sure. Because she pushes up. So, yeah, I think you got a good uh, good mix. Um, yeah, I, I think you got a good mix on this team. Cam Meisner, I, I didn't know a lot about her before this year, and she's been playing fantastically. She's a great player. She's been doing awesome. And it's funny because she was one – where I guess the last couple of years she had played either midfield or forward. Right. Um, even during tryouts, she, you know, we'd split up to five on threes or whatever offense, defense. She always stayed with the defense. I guess she had been wanting to move back on defense for whatever reason, couldn't. And um, I got a text from her mom, and it was kind of interesting. She was like, you know, doing a great job. She's like, and Cam is loving playing defense. Awesome. And in my mind, I kind of was like, well, that's a weird text because why wouldn't she love playing right. defense? I, I just assumed she's, she was a defender. She's a midfielder. Yeah, no, no, I, right? I would so. just assume. But it wasn't until, I think, uh, at the car wash, I was her mom and I were talking, and that's when she she explained. She's like, you realize Cam's never played defense. And again, I was like, get out of here. Right. But like, she has picked it up so well. Yeah, she's, she's doing great. Tremendous. She's great. Um, I mean, everybody, even Lauren and Nett is another reason why – I feel comfortable keeping Avon defense because Lauren Lauren Soto has been playing phenomenal in net. She's doing a great she's job. She's been she's been doing a great job. She's been playing she's good positions. She's been doing awesome. She's giving me no reason right now. She hasn't given me a reason to make a switch in goaltender. Right. And as far as if as, it ain't broke, don't fix absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. Um these girls have just been uh outstanding. Um now, you talked a little bit about your Cinderella story, but before we get into that, is there one team, I mean, whether whether it's been as a player or as a coach, one team that you've been a part of that will always just kind of stick out like this, for me, this was it. Like, like it didn't get any, like we were just, whether again, whether you were coaching, whether you were playing, sure. this was just, we were, we were it. That putting year. me on the spot. Put, kind of putting you on the yeah. spot there a little so, bit. So, you know. I, I've loved so many experiences, right? I, I remember my house league days with the tornadoes. Or there was a 12-0 and 0 team, and, you know, we had a lot of fun. But, um, you know, in Niagara Pioneer, we had some special groups of, of players that, you know, we won everything. We won Buffalo Western New York. We won every tournament we entered. And then I remember being able to travel up and down the eastern United States with with the New York State West team. So there's so many special things. But, you know, coaching my kids tops everything, right, to be able to do that. And then, you know, 
becoming a family with these groups of kids. So I have a boys team and a girls team. The boys team, we started when they were 11 years old. And we've grown together. I've watched them grown up. I'm looking at other old pictures of them, and they were babies, and now they're men, and we're we're like family. I consider these kids like family. Oh, so for sure. The, you know, um, winning the first tournament with that team, or this summer, this this ride we went on, and then, you know, the girls, our whole girls team. So some of the girls that are on your team that are on our Brielle, Alyssa, Emma, Luciana, um, these girls formed they were all dancers they not emma emma was always a soccer player but emma joined us afterwards but brielle was a dancer too and we had a group of girls who were a star point if you ever play them we have a whole bunch of girls from our team that were all cheerleaders and they all played house league because they wanted to do something in summer we we rigged it we asked them (laughs) to put an all-girls team in the house league and they played, and they were playing against these mixed teams and some all-boys teams, and these girls were doing great. We were never losing a game. And they were playing good, and they said, Coach, can we be a travel team? So, yeah, let's do it, you know? So same thing, that this team becomes a family. So as much as I love my playing days and those days where we won, I can't compare it to the to being able to give back, teach a little bit. And, you know, we didn't get into this, but I, I feel like coaching – is so much more than winning soccer games and even becoming great soccer players. To me, it's about developing human beings. These are kids that are learning all of the important lessons in life of sports. Oh, for right? sure. Leadership, teamwork, hard work, determination, dedication, all of those things that you take off the field and apply into real life because, again, most of these kids are not going to play in the MLS or in in the Premier League and or for the U.S. Women's National Team. They're going to go on to successful careers in real life, and the learn the lessons they learn on this on the athletic fields is what's going to make them successful in life, right? Oh, so for sure. to me, that's all about that. But what we've become is a family, and you know both these teams, and when you have. You know, you, you, you're doing every team thing together and you go through these hard times together and then you have success. Those are those moments are so special. And I could just remember, you know, winning our first tournament with the kids, the boys who we were the bad news bears. We were just a bunch of kids, a club team from Wheatfield. All the kids live within five minutes of each other and we win the first tournament in a in penalty kicks and we just went, you know, you explode and you remember those things in the, the kids faces and it it's just awesome. And to see them now come to, you know, full circle this summer, five minute radius, 18 kids from Niagara, Weefield and a few kids from North Tonawanda. And we played against every Academy that you can imagine. And we beat them. And we went to the final four of the state cup to see that. That was really special. It's fun. And it, it's kind of the same way. I mean, played high-level travel, um, didn't play in college. My knees kind of just yeah. – but um, it's it's almost – I've had some big wins as a player, big losses as a player, big wins as a coach, big losses as a coach. But it's almost for me – I agree with that point. It's almost I've, I get more or I've gotten more as a coach than I ever did as a player. Um and I'm going to ask you, I, I, while I ask you this question, I'll give you a little time to think and I'll tell, sure. share a story. But um, one story for me that I've always told, it was my first first year as a coach, uh, as a high school coach, 
um, at the park school. Um, there was this one girl on our team, Abby. I'll be honest, didn't really have a lick of athletic ability at all. Great kid. Phenomenal kid. Um, but it was one where we only had 14 girls. I needed the bodies. She worked. She busted her butt off at practice. She busted her this. She was a senior, junior, junior that year, her first year. Um, but just was one of those girls where even if you got her on the field, it was for a little of this, a little of that. But it, she was also one of those players where if the ball went towards her, she's running away from it. Right. She doesn't. She didn't want the contact. And I would constantly at practice get her to get you know, drill on her, drill on her. And I remember in one game, probably halfway through the season, she's playing midfield. The ball comes her way. There's another forward bearing down. And she made a great play. She stepped up. She stepped up in the ball. And, of course, boom, takes the ball right off the face and goes down. Oh, no. As a coach, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm running on the field. I'm like, this child is never going to listen mm. to a word I say. But to her credit, I didn't even get maybe 10 steps. She pops right back up, looks at me. I'm fine, coach. And I'm just like, it it just, it was, I I can't describe it. So rewarding. It was rewarding. It was relief. It was, but it was just that moment I was like, I was, yeah. Again, it's in, it's indescribable. That's cool. Did you ever have one like? What are some of those moments well, you have as a coach? Even if it's a, a, like a where you where you witness the I got it moment well, from those that's, kids. You know that's a great thing. Um, you know because I've seen coaches cut players at you know twelve years old, eleven years old, and we had a few players when we first started out that were not great players. But you could see they had potential. And, you know, I had some players, I had some parents say, what, what are you doing here? You yeah. know, we need to, and just give it time, give it time. And some of those players that at that point, you know, were the on the lower end of the team have become our starting players and oh, major contributors. Sure. Because you, you, the light bulb turns on at different times for different kids. And you never know when it's going to happen. And it could happen at 10. And sometimes the ones that are at 10 and way ahead of everybody, by the time they're 16, are now back into the pack. Yep. Right? And then the exact opposite happens. So you give every kid a chance. And to see there's one player in in particular that – you know, maybe started off a little aggressive and, uh, and but not really into it and sort of aloof that has become a regular contributor. Uh, his name is Cam. He goes to North Tonawanda and he's a he's a starter on the varsity at NT now. But he was one that, you know, early on, you know, some of the parents weren't quite sure about, you know, and uh, he turned into a great player. But, you know. I've seen that with a lot of kids, but again, the light bulb turns on at different times for different kids. You just have to be patient, give them a chance, let them have fun first. And, um, you know, those, those kind of things, when you see success from kids that maybe didn't have it, that's super rewarding. You know, absolutely. When they, when when they get it. And I'm the same way. I, and again, ultimately you do have to make, sometimes you have to make cuts. Like if we were to had 30 girls come out for varsity, I would have had to make cuts. Sure. I had, you know, I've got 22 on the team. Could I have trimmed it down to 18? Sure. I just didn't want to because I, I'm always to where I'm going to reward hard work. You know, if, and, and that's one thing too, all 22 of these girls bust their butt off every awesome. single day, whether they're getting one minute of playing time or all 80, they bust their butt off every single day at practice, every single minute that they're on the field. And I'm 
I, I don't like cutting kids like that. And you and and I'm sure you've gotten a fair share of whether it's been teammates or kids that you've coached where you get that kid that has all the talent but doesn't want to put in the work. Right. Doesn't want no matter how much you try, no matter how much you harp, no matter what strategy you use to get his butt or her butt in gear. It just it doesn't get there. And for me, that's the biggest disappointment. Sure. Even even I've played with some very talented people as a player. And I've looked I, I remember getting into an argument. I'm not gonna put anybody on blast, but I remember getting into an argument with one of my players or as a player and just as my teammates and just like, dude, you don't know how talented you are. Like, I swear to God, I wish I had your mm-hmm. talent and you're just blow and just literally like almost coming to blows with a teammate because yeah. just one of those guys, he would be the, the, he would be the first one to skip out on a lap. The first one to, well, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do this. And you just looked and they just, they just yeah. drive you nuts. Gnaws at you. Yeah. You know, what do they say all the time? Hard work beats talent. Right? Absolutely. Every day. But hard work with talent is unstoppable. Oh and that's what we have this year. Like you right. said, with Marissa, with Casey, with Caitlin, with Leah, with uh, everybody, with Sydney. I yeah. mean, the list, I could sit there and list my entire roster. Yeah. It's, there's talent, there's hard work, and I'm so excited. Yeah, you, you're, you're in a great spot, and they are lucky to have you. I'm telling you. Guiding I, the way. Because, uh, you know, the other thing, you said it, you know, you have all that talent. You know, you could have egos and stuff, but you have a good team and you got to manage that. You have to manage that and, and keep them on the same page. I, I, I said it before. It's more there's more to it. You know, I believe in, you know, when when somebody a ball goes off the side of their foot or they make the wrong run nine times out of the ten, they know they screwed up. Yep. Right. And you've been across the sideline from a coach. I, I always love or hate, but love these coaches that are. Their coaching is, what are you doing? What's <laughs> wrong with you? I I can't fathom in any uh, walk of life where that motivates somebody, right? Yeah. They know they screwed up. Um, I just find more way more benefit in pulling the kid aside and saying, hey, look, you know, I know you made that run to the left, but the right was open or maybe check back to the ball or, hey, look, look. Keep your head up and look for your teammate instead of trying to dribble four people, right? And they and you'd say that in a constructive way, in a positive way, if you stay positive all the time. I think that it's much more effective. I think that I feel like I've gotten more out of less talent just by being positive with these kids and making them believe in themselves and know they can do it. And that's half the it, battle. It's half the battle. Confidence and belief in yourself. I took those guys to State Cup, and we played against the number one ranked team in the, the, the semifinals, Syracuse Development Academy, SDA, and we were nobody. We had to drive to Syracuse on a Friday night, three-hour drive. They made it as hard as they possibly could for us. And I, I looked at the kids, and I said, guys, we're not here just for fun. We're here because I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. And I knew they could do it, and they did, and they beat them 2-1. to one. It was awesome. But, but it's belief. It's half the battle. 
when I'll talk a little bit about that because this is the the Cinderella team. Like I, I keep trying to force it. I'm I'm like no no no. <laughs> I love it. This is what but, it's all about. But, Stories from I'm the so, sidelines. I'm so, so proud of this team. How did this? Uh, this was a U18 team. Okay, or, so we're U17, U17 boys. But you know what? I did the same thing. The girls team also. My girls team also went Final Four State Cup. But I'll I'll talk about that in a minute too. So we had two teams from a club team in Wheatfield that made the Final Four Beautiful. of State Cup. So it's it just goes to show you can do it and not be one of those academies. But um, nothing against them, but you can do it. Um, these kids, uh, for the last few years, they wanted to get more and more competitive. As we get better and better as a team, they wanted to show more. And I mentioned to them, hey, you guys want – and they were all in. They wanted to do this. And they said, Coach, we don't care if we lose everything. We want to try it, right? For sure. So we worked hard, and we entered, and we went into the draw, and you had to you have to play two playing games. So our first game is against a flash team from Rochester. So, you know, everybody's, eh, we'll go in, we'll play, we've given them a good game. And we went there, and we dominated this team, and we won 2 nothing. The score could have been a lot more, but – you know, we did it with a short bench, and we just have studs on this team. Dante Defilia is a, mo- most of my team. Uh, Simon Pollock, Quinn Conroy. I'll tell bad, uh, Quinn Conroy was supposed to be the starting center back for Coach Coulter this year, and in that game, he tore his ACL. Oh, so he's no. out for the year. Devastating. Such a great kid and um, a great soccer player as well. But we have so many studs on this team. But I can name the whole team, because, and it's the varsity team pretty much, Mike Rambali and Cole De Palma. All these guys play for Coach Coulter now, and we won that game. So we said, okay, well, we won, but we had to go against the number one team in Syracuse. So everybody goes, well, this is all, all gravy now. It's no big deal. So I, um, <laughs> we tried to be the night before I had a team dinner where we got in and we did a little uh, chalkboard session and we said, look, this is how we're going to play. We're going to start in our normal 4-4-2. We'll play a little bit. If we happen to get a league, we're going to drop into the 3-5-2 and play with a little more defensive posture, but we're going to play patient. We're not going to make any mistakes. We're going to play perfect, uh, simple game and let them force. So, you know, just trying to get this game scheduled. Any night that I knew I had a lot of players and, and I would tell that coach I did, they would find a reason they couldn't play that game. You schedule those games. Really? So, yeah, I told them, look, and I only have 13 or 14 on this Friday night, but we could come up. And then that was the night that of they course. picked, right? So that we didn't, we had a short bench, which was fine, right? So now we, we did the night before. Then we met before, had a little pregame meal. We, we got a bus, so we would all drive together. So it was like the camaraderie and everybody was chill before the game. We walked on the field, and we could uh, hear the players laughing. And, uh, um, you know, we heard them say, this is going to be over by halftime. The parents in the stands were making plans for their hotel rooms at at, at the finals, <laughs> and uh, and you know we just went out there and we we score the first goal, and they right before half we got a little not too good of a break and they score halftime. Look, guys, we're in it against the number one number one ranked team in the state. We can we can continue to do this. So gave them the whole motivational speech and got them all psyched up. Five minutes in, we score. We go back into a 3-5-2. We lock it down. We just play smart. The last 15 or 20 minutes of the game, that team, which I, which one thing I kept telling our players is, you guys are a true team. You're a team. You play like a team. They are a collection of individuals. Individually, they are amazing players, and they 
probably blow us out of the water. But they don't play like a team. They play like a collection of individuals. Everybody's looking to make the play themselves. The last 15, 20 minutes, it was yelling at each other. What are you doing on the field? They just became unraveled, and they, and they couldn't keep it together. Passes were off, and they're yelling at each other, forcing everything. Shots they shouldn't take because they think they need to score instead of being patient. And we just stayed calm, played our game, stayed calm, played our game, and we, we came out ahead one, two to one. And the best part of the story was literally my birthday, and I oh, tear up every beautiful. time the kids, every to a man, came to the sideline and just said, happy birthday, coach. It was just – it was really a special, special moment. Talk about special moments. So then we took that team to State Cup, and the girls also played in this final four of State Cups. It was a great experience, and it was a great exposure for, you know, Niagara Wheatfield soccer in general and NWAA as a club. I'm, I'm proud of our club. We have a lot of great teams, and, um, you know, I, I get the the premier club stuff. I get why people want their kids to play that. I just think that they make a lot of promises that are way too far-fetched and they dilute the talent for kids playing with their buddies, which we're, like I said, we're literally a high school team. We're we're a a neighborhood team that all these kids get to play together and they're going to be friends for life. And, um, and they grew up together. So I think it's kind of a special thing. It's a lot of fun. No, that is, that's, that's phenomenal. And, and that's what it's all about. That's just the beauty of sports. And I think sometimes you brought up the chemistry fact, the fact that they're a team, um, no matter what the sport, I think sometimes people don't realize just how important that is, just how important playing with somebody you respect, somebody who you know is going to be there for you, your brother or your sister on the field. It's just, uh, especially when you get into the professional levels, oh, they don't need chemistry, they just need the best quarterback, or they just need the best wide receiver, or they just need the best. No, you don't. You need to know how to play with your teammates, play with your team. You got to know that. And it's stories like that just show how important it is. Like you said, the team that you're going against individually, are they more talented than you? Absolutely. Quote unquote on paper, are they the better team? Probably. But did you guys go out there and beat them? Absolutely. And it's just because each one of those players know that the other one has their back and that they would do no- everything that they could for that player and you that team. You hit the nail on the head. You're, you're, you have each other's backs, and that's, and that's really what it is. A team is mu- so much more than just throwing the best players on the field. Yeah. And it's got to be a brotherhood. Absolutely. Or a sisterhood. It's got to be a family. A hundred percent. I believe that with my whole heart. I lived it my whole life. I, I live it in life. You know, you, you know, you, when you're somebody's friend, you're their friend for life, right? Yep. And and that you, you, you do things for other people first. You think about, you know, that's I, I choose to live my life that way. It's better to give than to receive, right? You do unto others. Absolutely. I I, I, I try to walk that in my life every day. Do unto others. Do treat people like you want to be treated. And if you do that sort of thing, and you bring that onto the athletic field, and you look out for each other's backs, then. You know, it's it's as simple as I maybe overran the ball, but now my teammate's going to bust their butt to yep. go there instead of saying, well, too bad, yeah. screwed up. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's one of the biggest things I, I tell all the teams. Like, listen, go out there and make a decision. Whether it's, 
going after a 50-50 ball or going after this. Right or wrong, that's fine. I, if you make the right decision, I'll say, be the first one, great job. If you make a wrong decision, I'll pull you to the side. Hey, next time do this. I can't coach a no decision. Right. I can't coach when you're just too scared to do something. And I think sometimes when these players are playing with people that they're not comfortable with or that they don't that they feel too scared to make a mistake, you start getting that non-decision. They just get trapped in no man's land. And I think when you have teams, obviously the one that you've coached, the uh, the guys and girls for travel, obviously this girls team that I'm coaching, I haven't had much of that because they know that if they screw up, no matter how big or small the screw up is, They've got 10 other players that are going to help them out. And even if one of their screw-ups ends up in the back of the net, no worries. We'll score two for you or we'll we'll get you back. It's it's There's no bickering. It's, there's yeah. no, dude, we lost the game because of you. You're right. It's, no, we lost the game because the other team beat us. There's, or we won the game because we beat them, not I won the game for right. us. There's no me. There's a we. Absolutely, hundred percent. They exactly what I see it on your team. I see it with all these teams. But that's what makes a successful team. Absolutely, right? it's got to be there. You can have a great individual, and they they won't go far. And uh, and I, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I love what you're doing there. And I love that group. And I'm I'm excited for the rest of the season. Oh, I I'm think telling it's, you, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. One more thing before we get into our hot seat question. Yeah. Now you've got a lot of family that play the games. Your brother played. The, did you ever play on on a competitive uh, team, whether high school or or travel or anything, with uh, family members? Okay, so uh, I was never the right age growing up to okay. play with, you know, cousins. They were always a little younger. I mean, we we would play, but yes, I played a lot with a whole group of strangios, especially indoor in men's league, uh, a at the, at sportsplex okay. we played together and outdoor as well. Oh, I should say we played for club Italia a little bit. We, so yes, I have played for different teams, but over the last few years, up until two years ago, I'm old now, I'm 50, <laughs> uh, but two years ago I had a pretty bad accident. We, we don't have to get into that. I fell off a ladder. And I haven't really played competitive sports then. But up until then, I was playing with my group of cousins. So there would be a time there would be um, five or six strangios on the team. We were um, Azzurri, we were called. Beautiful. And we played in. Yeah, uh, I wonder where you got that name from. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a lot of fun to play with my younger cousins. And, you know, um, yeah, that, 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 that is special, right? Oh, now it's, re- it's really family, but it's, it's just a lot of fun. I, I, I've had. I've gotten so much out of sports in general, but especially soccer. And I've always wanted to give back. As a kid, I would always, you know, want to learn from my coaches. I, I was influenced by a lot of coaches over the years, even football coach or basketball coach or, you know, especially a lot of my soccer coaches that I always wanted to to be in that role. Uh, I was honored when I was chosen as captain for a team. And I, I always wanted to be in that role. And I always said to myself, I want to coach a team. And this opportunity to be able to coach, I've coached ever since I was 19 years old, I would help with the younger teams. And then all through my 20s, I would coach here and there. And then when I had kids and they had the opportunity to, you know, coach them in house league and a bunch of other kids, I, you know, I see all these kids playing and I say, yeah, I had that kid in house league, you know, and I had that kid in house league. And it's, it's a very rewarding to see them later. 
But um, this opportunity for me to give back to the game that I love, because I say it all the time, if there's kids playing soccer and falling in love with the game, I'm good. That's good. That's good for me. And then if I can give a little back to kids to try to help to develop and make their lives better and make the world a little better by you know, having them act with kindness and and positivity and really being a positive influence in, in the world, then I, you know, I feel like I've accomplished something. And then giving back to the game is even better because, like I said, I, I love this beautiful game. I love it. Absolutely. And the job that you've done with those teams has been tremendous and it's shown, um, I guess not the last thing, we'll talk a little bit about this too. Did you find it a little different coaching both your son and your daughter? Like, did you find almost... I know sometimes you get parents, uh, my stepdaughter, she was, she was a basketball player. She loved basketball. And in fact, I know just going to some of her basketball games, um, I'd cheer for her, but I, I, I didn't want to be that parent. Hey coach, you got to do this. You got to do that. So I would definitely just, you know, be the, be the quiet, happy father out there, but coaching your son and your daughter, um, for me, it it seems like it could always go one of two ways. Either the coach, either you're way too harsh mm-hmm. on your on your kid, or you can kind of be a little too lenient and right. show favor. How did were first of all, were you nervous coaching both of your kids? And second of all, like how did it go? Was there any any blowback from hey, hey I don't want my dad to coach me, or yeah. I don't like? Was there any? How did that how did that go coaching your kids? I have two awesome kids. Oh, for sure, right? For sure, they're really good, nice, down to earth kids, and I try not to be overbearing. If anything, I'm way less patient with my children than I am with anybody else, right? Because they're your kids, and you don't want them to do the wrong thing, and it's mostly behavioral than anything else. I could care less if they make a bad play or they if they aren't good players. I don't care. Just try your hardest. All I ask ever for every player. So I feel like I treat them all equally. I've never... Uh, try to show any favoritism to my kids. They're a player on the team like anybody else. I'm just trying to give back. But I get so much pride and joy coaching them because I get to spend time with them. For so sure. in, 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 for me, it's that. Uh, I'm, when I'm on the other side, I want to be a parent and I want to be a good parent. And I'm never I, – I, I, I hope you feel this no, way. No, absolutely. I, I, I would never tell you anything, and I'm not going to. I, same with Coulter. Coulter's a great guy, and he's a great coach. You do your thing. You guys are the coach. It's your thing. Uh, I'm going to sit here. Now, anybody asks me for help or my opinion, I'll give it. But if it's not asked, I'm just going to be a fan and encourage the kids and do all that and encourage you and be your biggest cheerleader. So it's it's not – for me, it's never been hard that way because – um, you know, you're, you're doing your job, go for it. Do do your job. I'm, I'm a parent here. And then with the kids, yeah, I guess, um, you know, sometimes you could see it like the conflict of interest, right? And you say, well, they're they going to see it, but no, I, I feel like if the kid earns the time, I play my kids what they earn. Right. I, um, you know, um, uh, no, I, I do, definitely do not show favoritism. I try to be very unbiased and let them play it out and, you know, I try to be supportive of all the players. I, I feel like I have 22 kids on the team, yeah. not just one. They're all like my kids, and and I would treat them that way. And I say it when I have banquets. Yeah, you got a friend for life here. You know, I have your back for the rest of your life. If you're in need uh, in 20 years or in five years for college for something, call us. We're here. We're here for you. You oh, know, so sure. our family is your family now, and 
so yeah, I, I never really saw the conflict that I I needed to um, to worry about. You know, just treat everybody the same. That's awesome, and and I can attest your kids are your kids are awesome. And and Alyssa is not only does she bust her butt off on, at practice, but sometimes she's that little bit of a comic relief too. Yeah, good. But it's just. Uh, all right. Apparently, somebody, <laughs> somebody's impatient in, in the parking lot. But it's been uh, she's just tremendous, oh, and the way you. the way she'll encourage everybody good. on the it's it's awesome. Um, well, that's good to hear. I'm glad. Oh, for you know, sure. You're not you're not at those practices and in the, the huddle over there. So I'm just hoping that she she can learn those lessons and be positive influence. Always work hard and just be positive all the time. Be a good teammate. That's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I kind of prepped you a little bit before. We're, we're ready for the hot seat questions. I, I, I thought as we were talking, I would think of some questions, but now I'll, I'll, I'm, good, I'm, I'm good on the fly. I'll, I'll think of something. Oh, absolutely. I figure every coach has got to be good yeah, on the fly. Right. So um, I'm going to start it off with question number one. Again, these can be about anything. Uh, I've said this question on the show before, but uh, as a fellow Italian, um, I, I always like saying this question. What's one food uh, doesn't necessarily have to be like a meal. It could be a dessert, could be whatever that just instantly brings you back to your childhood. Like for me, and and I've given this answer a while. For me, it's my grandma, my nonna's uh, fried pepper sandwiches. Ooh. She'd fry <laughs> up the peppers, Amazing. the onions. Sometimes she'd put in the eggplant in there. She put a little. Uh, sometimes she'd do a little homemade uh, homemade superzata on there, just with the nice bread from Decamelos. <sighs> It just, it just, it's such a simple sandwich, but every time, and, and it's funny because as a kid, my mom would fry up the, the peppers sometimes, but I'm like, it's, it's just not as good as Norma's. It's not, and it would drive her nuts. Cause like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, it's just, it's good, but it's not yeah. as good as Norma's. Um, and even, even so often, like, you know, my, my, my Norma passed away about two, three years ago. Um, I would. Uh, I'll still fry up the peppers and onions cool. just to kind of get that reminisce. Yeah. It's still, it still brings you right back. It right? brings you back. <laughs> and no, no, don't worry. It's still not as good as yours. <laughs> but it's just it. It lets me know that I think about her. So for me, that's that's my uh, again just a simple sandwich. But what's what's that? What's that meal? That's amazing. So Sunday was always Sunday sauce. Sunday sauce. Right. So that, you know, you go to church and my mom would put it on with the meat and the meatballs. Mm -hmm. And the best thing was coming home and getting a hunk of decamillo bread and dipping it right in the sauce oh, yes. and, and getting that. And then the what I used to love the most was with the meatballs, she would always save some. And then before we ate, as soon as we came home from church, she would fry the meatballs. Ooh, okay. And then we put that in a, in a sandwich and, and eat the fried meatballs with no sauce and then just eating the meat and the sauce and everything. So that, that was it. My mom used to make these eggplant patties. So they're cheater eggplant patties because you think, oh, it's eggplant, it's vegetable. She put meat ground beef in it. Oh, she beautiful. She makes these eggplant patties. So to this day, everybody still loves my mom's eggplant patties. So that's another one that's good. And then for me, you talked about antipasto, like prosciutto or supersata. I could eat that all day and not eat, have anything else. So Absolutely. there are so many things. But my mom's sauce on a Sunday, smelling that and you know, watching the early morning soccer games and then watching football, going to Bill's football. That was a Sunday tradition that was. And then my 
cousins like Ross who came from Italy, they would come over our house every Sunday and do the same thing. They would come over. Uh, we'd uh, watch the soccer game in the morning and then retire to the Bills. And then Bills would be on at 1 o'clock, and we would watch that after. And it was just that's – that was – you know, and then the best was the leftover sauce from Wednesday because you had to have sauce twice a week for sure. But always was a Sunday of sauce, so that's that's what brings me back 100%. Oh, that's beautiful. In fact, I remember uh, college. I mean, I went to Kenesha, so it was far away, but not not too far away. Uh-huh. But uh, a couple weekends, like, I would go home, and I'd come back with, like, a jar full of sauce or whatever, and I'd be, like, king of the dorms. You know, I'd be like, like, listen, I'm not giving you too much here. You know, it, but it was, you'd get that, you'd get a nice loaf of Decamello's bread and or, or Latina's bread. Oh, yeah. And it's just, <laughs> it's phenomenal. Yeah. All right. So you got uh, you got question number sure. two here? Sure, I'll give you a question. So we, we talked a lot about soccer. Mm-hmm. We're talking about sidelines and everything. So I, you know, and I, I may ask you another soccer question, but... You know, for me growing up, as important as soccer was, athletics were just as important. Do you have a passion for any other sports, either watching or playing? Um, playing, I mean, I soccer, it's, it's funny for high school sports. Soccer was obviously my main. I would do indoor in the fall or in the uh, winter. I would do travel during the summer. So I was a consistent year-round soccer player. Um, I did, uh, I did a couple years of track and field during the spring for high school just to stay in shape. Sure. Um, one year I did tennis. Mm-hmm. I, I was not very good, but again, uh, Mark, Rob, uh, Rob, who actually coaches the Wheatfield, uh, tennis team, cool. uh, guys and girls, um, they were phenomenal tennis players, our phenomenal tennis players. Rob still plays at a pretty high level. Cool. And, uh, I was just kind of dragged along, but like it was one year, uh, I think I played my, my sophomore year junior year um i just didn't want to do track and field that time so it had a ball doing it i think i made you know played doubles or whatever um i was one of those guys where i could get to every ball but yeah right i was about 50 50 if i could get over (laughs) athlete um so as far as uh as passion for playing um I, i liked running distance even for track and field i was a distance runner i was a miler two miler I did seventh grade. My first high school sport was actually cross country, which I to this day I wish cross country was at a different time yeah, during soccer. Right? I loved it. You it would was, think you would get a lot of similar players. Oh, absolutely! Run so much distance yeah. in soccer that it's just so easy for yeah, you. Some of the guys from my team, instead of playing soccer, do cross country. Yeah, they just love it, and it, it's fantastic. So, I guess I guess distance running, cross country, cool. uh, track and field. As far as watching. Um, I'm a big Bills, big Sabres fan. Awesome. I mean, big Bills, Sabres fan. If I'm not watching soccer, um, and and I said it last year. Last year, I said the Sabres were going to be if if they didn't make the playoffs, they were just going to miss it. One point. I'm all in this all year. All in. I think they are going to make for sure make the playoffs. I wouldn't even be surprised if they went a round or two. I think they could do some damage in the playoffs this year. I love their coach. I love what he's done with that team to that team. Um, I think he's very much saved that team Absolutely. that, uh, the, the previous coach I, I didn't like where he was almost, he didn't know how to coach towards his players. Yeah. Um, so I, I love what Granado is doing with that team. Um, I love with McDermott and Bean are doing, uh, for the bills. I think they're both on the right path. I think if not this year for the bills, then very soon. Yeah. 13 seconds still gives me that oh, agita. We were just talking about that the other day. It's that, that was like that was our shot. Since the early 90s, I feel like that was our best shot at it. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But don't you feel like that it's the same as what we were just talking about, especially with the Sabres? It's not the most talent. No. It's a team. It's a team. They and play as a team. That's the culture. Yes. They, they, uh, they have each other's backs, and that's what it is. Like Some of those guys who were f- considered to be busts, Skinner and Thompson, yeah, that are now all of a sudden superstars they're having because career they're playing years. in the right culture, right? And 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 I love that. And and Alex Tuck to me is my growing up Gilbert Perot, Mike Felino, those guys. You that remember the Felino leap? Oh my god! <laughs> so like growing up, loving those guys. Tuck is that for me right now? Yes, he's that guy. That's that Mister. I bleeds the sabers. That is the face of it. So I'm the same as you. I grew up as the kid that was listening to Rick Jenneret and and Ted Darling on the radio with my ear next to it because I didn't have the Adelphia Cable Channel Three, so I couldn't see. So I grew up with the Sabers and the Bills, and then you know I went to Niagara Catholic, and because I went there, I'm a soccer player, but they don't have a soccer team. So I petitioned. I went to to the, the Niagara Falls School District and at, tried to get them. My parents went and said, can he play for the – go to Niagara Catholic but play for the team? And they said no. So I, uh, I, I convinced my dad to let me play football because all of my friends yeah. were playing. We didn't have a team. So I got to play for three years. I played football in high school. I remember this is a funny story. My dad said, you can play, but you can only be a kicker. <laughs> can't play and uh we went the first week of practice and they do the time trials and i was the fastest kid on the team and i told the coach coach candino who's a huge influence on oh, me even yeah. to this day uh I he's still, a legend he's a legend and i'm so like honored that i got to be coached by him and influenced by him and just and the great thing is i get to coach now his granddaughter she's one really she and she is a superstar oh now. that's she's, fantastic she's uh she's at narden now but She's a superstar, but and a great kid too. But anyway, so go Coach Canino. But I got to play uh, high school football for three years, and I, I went to Coach Canino and I said, Coach, uh, I, I I can't play any. But my dad said I can only be a kicker, and he goes, No, 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 you're a wide receiver. <laughs> and I said, But Coach, I can't play if I only put. He goes, No, you're a wide receiver. He said, Don't worry about your dad. Just. You're fine. So I didn't tell my dad who had the first game. I caught a touchdown pass, and I go, oh, okay, maybe it's not so bad, you know. <laughs> so it's a funny story. But so I got to play three years, and I, I played basketball in high school, and I played tennis as well because I never played baseball. And I wanted a spring sport, so I just played tennis. Absolutely. And it was the same thing. You know, you had the speed. You run around and just knock the ball. So that was a lot of fun. And then my senior year, we didn't have enough kids to play football. So I went, went, me and John Cipolletti, I said, John, let's go. We went to the pres- the principal, and we said, can we form a soccer team? And they said, yeah, we'll uh, Oh, really? We formed we, for the, until much later, 10 or 15 years later, we were the only team in Niagara Catholic history to have a, the only yeah. time we had a boys' soccer team, and we had a boys' soccer team. And we actually went to the semifinals of Monsignor Martin. There you go. With, uh, you know, a, a, a team. We were played as a team, and it was great. We had a couple good players, but it was, it was a lot of fun. So, I love it. Beautiful. All right, question three. Um, doesn't matter the sport. Doesn't have to be soccer. It could be any sport. In fact, we'll 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 make this a two parter um, for your sport. So you pick the sport. But if you could be a professional, either a professional player, a professional coach, or a professional GM, 
which one of those Ooh. would you be and for which professional sport? Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> I, you know what? I, I always had success in soccer. So I think that if I had to be a professional player, I would love to play for an Italian team in Serie A and uh, be a player. I'm going to answer all three. I'm going to cheat. Okay, okay. I'm going to cheat. Okay. Uh, coach, I I'll definitely now, I probably, you know, 10 years ago would have said I would like to play, you know, because you watch the Sabres or the Bills. I would now for sure I would like to coach uh, soccer at any level, you know, maybe at a higher level like college coach. I would love to do that with, you know, a great group of players. I would love to be a coach there. If I was a GM, I definitely would be the GM of the Buffalo Bills. I definitely would be an NFL GM. I think that would be a lot of fun, and I grew up passionate about the Bills. I'm a Bills season ticket holder for 23 years now, and I'm a Sabres season ticket holder. I'm just like you. I bleed uh, Buffalo sports. I'm 100%. telling you, it's, it's coming. Oh, I, know, yeah. I know we had a— I I know we had a, a, a a disheartening loss against the Jets, but it's it's over. It's done with. We looked good against the Raiders. We're we're there. Past it. Um, for me, uh, I if I had to choose one, all right, I'm going to put you on the spot though. So okay, you, go ahead. You, you did all three. I did. I cheated. Did, that's okay. <laughs> you did all three, which is great. But if you could only choose one, which one are you choosing? Uh, uh, hmm. It's a tough choice. Yeah, it is because I love coaching so much, but. I think that I I love the game so much. It would have been a professional soccer player at some point. Okay, that would be awesome. Uh, for me, as a player, soccer, I agree. I'd I'd love to play whether it's for uh, the Italian National League, whether it's playing at a Premier League level or Serie A. I, I for me that that would just be as a player that would be the ultimate. Yeah, that would be the ultimate. Um, Something every, I mean, the second you kick a soccer ball around, every I little know. kid dreams of. Comes right back. <laughs> it, um, so that is a player. Um, as a coach, um, believe, I mean, I, I love being a soccer coach. Believe it or not, and, and, and it's funny because my brother, my younger, my youngest brother, Richie, he uh, he was a uh, hockey goaltender. He was uh, he, he very well, did, did great in hockey. Me, you put me on skates. I look like a baby deer. Yeah, I can barely too, stand up. Skate. But uh, I always thought it would be cool, or it would be fantastic to be a, a hockey coach. Cool. Um, I mean, I, I, I feel like I know enough about the game, maybe not to coach it, but it's a, it's a great game. It almost reminds me of indoor soccer. Very yeah, fast right. pace. Very you know, changing on the flies. I love it. Um, as a GM, I got to say, I'd, I'd, being the Bills GM yeah. would be would be the <laughs> ultimate. Um, if I had to choose one, though, at this point, I'd probably choose being the GM. I just think that would be yeah. just building the team, hiring the coach, trading for the players, the signing, the this, having your hand in a little bit of everything. Right. I think that would be just so intriguing. Yeah, that's cool. And just, just so awesome. I agree. You get to be the architect, right? Absolutely. You put it all together, and then you see the fruits of your labor. That's Absolutely. awesome. Yeah, that's cool. All that's right. very cool. So what are we on? Question three. Cause you, uh, you were three. I'm oh, four. Question right? four. Question four. You're so right. I'm going to go. You said sometimes off the cuff. So what is the best place you've ever traveled to? What's your favorite vacation? Ooh, um, this is hands down. And this was this was all my wife's doing. And my I, I don't know about you. But my wife loves traveling like I do. And uh, she books the most amazing vacations. And sometimes she'll look and I'm like, wait, how much did you spend? That's fantastic. <laughs> because I thought we were going to spend three times that amount. So she does it in, in its world-class uh, 
not this not this summer, but the summer before that, we did ten days to Italy. In Italy, we did um, we did a couple of days in. Uh, we flew into Rome. We did a day in Rome. We did uh, two day, one or two days in Milan. We did Cinque Terre for two or three days. Wow. We did Florence. Um, we did a day trip to Pisa. It was just. Uh, I, this was my first time going. I had always told my wife, you know, um, I wanted to do Italy. I wanted to do Italy. Just didn't have the time. She planned the whole thing from, and it was, it wasn't. We did a few tours, like of just when we did the domos, and uh, and uh, we got to see um, uh, uh, the Sistine Chapel and everything over there. Not the Sistine Chapel. We got to see. Uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, but it was just. The domos and everything we did those tours, but everything else was on our own. Every we'd fly cool. here, we'd drive. It that's was, that's when you have the best experience. Oh right? my god! It was the food, the atmosphere. Like I'm looking at getting Italian citizenship now. <laughs> I mean, it is. It was just. It was the time of my life, and I told my wife the second we got home, I was like, "Listen, if we don't go on another vacation, I'm fine with it because this was the trip of a lifetime, yeah. and I will never." I will never be able to repay her for that because it was just, it was it was perfect. That's awesome. It was perfect. So for me, about two years ago, going to Italy for the, for the ten eleven days that we did, I, if I don't travel again, I'm a happy man. Yeah, it was, that's awesome. It was just fantastic. Oh man, that, that story gave me chills. That's awesome. So I'm going to do two parts. As a kid, I had a similar experience. We went. You know, it was the the birthright trip when we went as our family. We went to Italy when I was twelve years old. And that was the best one, beautiful, because we went for six weeks. Oh, nice! I lived in Italy for a whole summer, oh, right? So, and what you got to experience was I, I I learned about my roots. Right, we stayed in my parents' hometowns, and mostly in my dad's hometown of Plati, where we're from, and. um and I got to meet so much, so much of my family, and experience daily life in a town with stone roads and old buildings. So that was cool. But then we did the history. We went to Rome, and we'd go to the beach, and we went to Reggio Calabria, and we went to all those places. So we got the, we, I got a little bit of everything. So that experience, you know, it's really taught me to, you know, my cousins in Italy, but also. Uh, to uh, to speak Italian better as well, and to to understand Italian, that was where I really got it. And then, you know, then uh, you know, in my adult life, I love our family trips that we do because we we've done all the Caribbean stuff and we've done Disney, uh, you know, way too many times, and that's all. You know, those are fun because you do it with the kids, but. The best trips are when we go to cities. We pick a city. We went to Boston, Chicago. We've gone to 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 San Diego and Los Angeles. But my favorite was actually San Antonio and Austin, Texas. And it was really cool because we got to we went on this dude ranch and we rode horses. We shot guns. We did all these different things. That was cool. So we got to do the real Texas cowboy thing. And then we went to Austin, which is a cool city. And then we went to San Antonio under the River Rock and we did all those things. So I think that might be my favorite of the city tours. Obviously, I love New York City and Boston, but I think that was um, that was my favorite. So that uh, we wanted to show the kids like the U.S., like instead of just doing Disney all the time, show different cities and experience different things. So we'll take a weekend or a week or whatever, and we've gone to those trips. So those are always a lot of fun. Oh, that's fantastic. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat here a little bit because yeah, cool. I, I love that story so much. And that story uh, sparked the – like I said, I, uh, my wife and I, she had um, a daughter, uh, Sarah, who I mean I consider my daughter. Awesome. Um, 
So the first that that make, reminds me of the first trip that we went on as a family together. We went down to uh, down to Florida to uh, Sanibel, cool. Sanibel Island, yep. and um, it was it was funny. I actually met my wife on um, on her daughter's fifth grade trip. I was chaperoning her wow. trip. We uh, we um, it was a, a two day overnight. They went up to Seneca Lake. And they did canoeing. My wife came down with like two other parents and they kind of went off to the side, went, hopped in a canoe and kind of left her. So I just kind of went over like, hey, do you want to go in a canoe? Blah, blah, blah. We went on the canoe ride. Little did I know that it, you know, it was the love canoe. at first sight. It was love at first sight. <laughs> uh, I actually proposed to my wife in a canoe. Wow, that's which cool. Is, I'm not gonna lie. I, I had the I had the ring up in my fedora. <laughs> so, and first of all, I was a little nervous about that. But when I went down to my knee, and I'm giving all I'm thinking of, if I drop this ring <laughs> in the canoe, or if the canoe tips <laughs> over or whatever, I'm diving in. I don't care if it takes 20 years. I'm diving oh, in to find funny. that. But it was. Uh, so we went to Sanibel Island. It was our first like real family vacation. Um, Sarah, who is way too big to do this now, but, uh, I mean, she's tall. She's yeah. like, she's way taller than me. In fact, she, it's getting to the point where she's starting to look down at me. <laughs> uh, she's a, she's a sophomore, um, at, uh, Syracuse and she's, she's loving awesome. life over there, but, um, or sorry, a junior in Syracuse. Sorry about that. She's loving life. But uh, it was just one of those trips where you know she's in sixth grade, she's on my shoulder in the pool, and cool. we're doing the family thing. So that that's was awesome. That was just your your great story. Just kind of sparked that memory yeah, for me. Yeah, that's cool. So that was it. Um, I, I love that. That was another a trip that'll always be near and dear to my heart. That's awesome. Um, yeah, the family, families, everything. All right. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to do question five here. Uh, unless you have something, no, this go this ahead. one. Yeah. In fact, we could do another one after this because this one's kind of. Um, this one's kind of a, a, a simple question. Said you're a big Buffalo Bills fan. What are you? What's your Super Bowl prediction this year? What's your Super Bowl prediction? Uh, Bills 27, 49ers 20. Okay, so you're going, you're going to the OJ Simpson Bowl, the Bills, right. for, the Bills 49ers. Bills 49ers. Okay. Um, I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say it's the Bills. I think the Eagles get back there again. I think the Bills and Eagles again. Plus, I'd love to see it because that'll be the only other NFC East team that the Bills have. Every every Super Bowl the Bills have gone to, it's been NFC East teams. I know. I don't want to see another <laughs> NFC East team. So we don't have a lot of success. But I'm saying it's the Bills-Eagles. <laughs> I think we finally get over the hump. I'm gonna say it's. I'm gonna say. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna say we we erase some of the demons of wide right. Nice. We win on a last second field goal, thirty-one twenty-eight. So you want to give us a heart attack? I'm gonna give us a heart attack. <laughs> hey, if we're going big, we're going big. Go we're big going all. Go, go bigger, go home, baby. <laughs> um, so I'm going with the Bills, thirty-one twenty-eight in a in a last second Tyler Bass field goal. Oh, that would be awesome. And uh, redemption. I'm telling you, redemption. Scott Norwood. Finally, it's the rest. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it 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 would be fantastic. So that's the five easy one. Um, the uh, do you, do you got yeah, a fifth no, the, one? No, the the um the um the the Niner. Oh, going back to that, I, I, the Eagles are good. They're a good team. They were good last year, but going in the first couple of weeks, I don't know. They've been a little I, yeah, shaky. Shaky, and I just think the Niners have a good if they stay healthy. 
They have a lot of pieces. They're explosive and dangerous offensively, and defensively they're very good yes. too. So I think they have what it takes, but I just don't think that anything coming out of the NFC is going to beat anything coming no. out of the AFC. No. We're just so tough and we'll be battle-tested. So I, I, I felt all along... I felt we, you know, the 13 second year was our year. I felt like you could just mm. hand it to us that year. They were going to smoke them, and that, you know, it is what it is. But you know, getting out of the AFC, I think they'll be okay going into the 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 Super Bowl. And I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to do a five B. Go. Um, growing up as a as a Bills Sabers fan, you said you you know had season tickets for 20 years for the Bills. Yeah. For the Bills, um, I'm sure you've been to a lot of Sabers games. Yeah. What's whether as a kid, young Sabres adult, a, for the last few years? But go ahead. Um, what's your favorite memory going to either a Bills or or, or Sabers game? Um, um, the Bills game. I was at the Houston comeback game. The, were you really? I was at the the greatest. Oh comeback. my god, that had to have been my friend insane. Greg Myers. Growing up in high school, was a season ticket holder with his dad, and we took the bu- metro bus from Niagara Falls. We took the bus to the game, oh, and we were there, and we were in that stands. And I remember at halftime, we're like, "Do you want to go?" Everybody was leaving. I was gonna say half the stadium left. They le- it was over, right? And uh, we go, well, we got to take the bus anyway. We might as well say, we'll see how it goes. We'll watch one drive. And then they score. We go, oh, geez. And they're like, are we really going to take the bus back? And then we scored. And we go, okay, hold on. Next thing you know, by the end of that game, there were more people in that stadium than there were in the beginning of the game. People were climbing the fences. It was awesome. So that's obviously it has to be because it was just electric. But I was at some pretty awesome uh, uh, Bills games. And then the Sabres, it was a. It was a cool experience because it was Stanley Cup Finals, but I was at the no-goal game as well, and it sucked. And I remember we were up in the in the 200 level, so we were right be, behind John, John Butchgrass and uh, um, uh, what's his name, the, the old coach of the Kings. Um, uh, he's still Barry does. Melrose. Yes, yes, yes. Barry Melrose. And I just remember like at commercial – we were behind. It was after the game, and it was after they didn't even really review it. And they were looking at it, and they're like, "All oh, year, that's not a goal. That it's crazy, you know." So it was cool to be there. So it was a terrible experience because we lost, but it was kind of cool to be there. And then you know, um, you know, it's so many great memories of the Sabers growing up, and then you know, even just listening on the radio or watching on TV. So many great goals and. They, they all came back last year when they were doing all the tributes to Rick Jennerette. Which was fantastic. It was awesome. So then you hear the May Day call all over game, uh, again and the La 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 Fontaine. You know, we've had so many great Buffalo sports moments. It's just been awesome. And Bills and Sabres. So. Yeah, it's been fantastic. In fact, for that no-goal game, I was in the arena, but I was working. Oh. I, I worked concessions um, for that season and the season after that. Uh, I was in college at Canisius, so I was working concessions a game. Obviously, I knew we lost, but it wasn't until later when I got home that I, you know, replayed the game and saw the whole no goal. Yeah. And I've got calls from, you know, we got screwed. We got I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? All year that wasn't a goal. And then all of a sudden they had a memo that. Yeah, uh, a, 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 a memo. <laughs> um, but I tell you what, though, to this day, and this would have been earlier in the uh, in the Toronto season, uh, Toronto series before when they got to the cup. When Rob Ray scored that goal yeah. in Toronto, I mean, Jesus, you would have thought that it was it was game seven in overtime. Awesome. That arena erupted. 
at concessions, we obviously knew we, they scored. We heard the horn, but everybody went off. I mean, it was like it wasn't until, uh, you know, intermission when the people are coming off. We're like, what the hell happened? Like, what was, they're like, Rob Ray scored. It was amazing. <laughs> it was this. I mean, gee, like I said, you would have thought it was game seven yeah. and they won it in overtime. Uh-huh. But uh, it was just – it was such a – that late 90s, even early 2000s, it was just so much fun to watch. I know. And be a part of. It's, uh, you know, it's. Um, and I think that's coming back. Yeah. You, oh, yeah, definitely in Buffalo sports. But as you tell these stories and as we like, you know, it just brings up so much emotion and so many good memories and everything. And I think of something and I think it was in Moneyball when uh, Billy Bean goes, uh, uh, Brad Pitt as Billy Bean goes, how can you not be romantic about baseball but it's how can you not be romantic about sports about sports you know they just like it permeates every part of our lives especially in western new york right we're so big we're so we bleed these buffalo sports so much oh, it becomes for sure. takes over and you know now with success I always said, I, I hope my son loves sports, and he is just so passionate about the Bills and Sabres, and he loves it so much. that it gets, But now even my daughter, Alyssa, loves it. She's into it. She really knows it, and my wife, everybody. So the whole family. Remember in the 90s, you'd go to Tops, and every, oh, yeah. every grandma was wearing a Bill sweatshirt. You got dogs wearing <laughs> stuff. I mean, it was fantastic. Right? Yeah, it's, it, it takes over the community, and, and it's, it's amazing. It's, it's so great now that the Bills are actually good and relevant again because yeah. I remember, I mean, even as a teacher, you know, you get before when they when they had the streak of 18 years or the whatever, with, nope, the drought, it's you look at it and you're reminiscing, and they're like – you know, coach, the Bills suck. Yeah. Like, coach, but like, you guys don't understand. They were like, they were it. They were like better than, like, they were the Chiefs. They were the, I mean, yeah. they were it. Coach, they suck. They suck. And I tell you what, I really started, it's funny, I started feeling old because, especially when we do our, when we do our football unit or whatever, you know, you'll see a kid be like, oh, Andre Reed over there, make a catch. And they'll look at you. Who? Who? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, mm. man. So you got to keep, you got to stay up with the times of yeah. the players. But, um, no, it's just it's so much fun as a teacher now. You see the kids coming in with Bill stuff, and you see, I mean, I remember I was at Niagara Street School, um, and I mean, that whole week, two weeks leading up to, we didn't do a damn bit of work. <laughs> no. I mean, it was it was pep rallies, it was coming yeah. with your Bills Day, That's it was right. draw your Bills stuff. It was we weren't. It was maybe what's one Bills touchdown plus a Bills field. I mean, we weren't doing any kind of learning. It was just, it was Bills for that entire week. Bills, Bills, Bills. Awesome. Yeah. It was just so I much remember fun. those days. Yeah, like I said, it takes over the community, and that's it's really wonderful. And it's bonding, and it's um, it gives you a lot of pride. Absolutely. And it's just, it's, uh, it's really cool. It's really and I'm cool, telling and you, it's back. It's coming back. We're going to win it. I'm telling you, give the Sabres about three to four years, and we'll have a cup. Give the bills. I think this year is this, this is the year. year. This is it. This, this has got to be it. If not we, now, when? We have to stay healthy, right? We Absolutely. Have to just stay healthy. Von Miller, when he comes back, is going to make a huge difference, and uh, we just have to stay healthy. And I think they have all the tools in place to be successful. He's going to be a wrecking ball. Yeah. Listen, Frank, I could go on and on and on. We, we definitely got to have you back on for another I, show. I would this love to. A, this I had has been a, a ton of fun. Of fun. Yeah. Um, bring Anthony. Bring Alyssa. Okay. We'll make one big Strangio day here. That'd be awesome. Um, So thank you so much for coming on. Um, We're going to wrap things up here. Again, make sure you guys check out our Facebook page, our YouTube page, at Stories from the Sidelines. Check us out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon. And, of course, 
Make sure you tune in next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. And go Bills!